the increase in the speed in business has created an increase in the speed of outsourcing, which increases the increase in the speed of risk. So there's been a big focus today of organizations needing to understand the risk quickly, specifically in pre-contract due diligence before they do business with these folks, and being able to understand and mitigate these companies before they share what they're sharing, whether that's information or customer data or employee data out the door where they're going to have these risks, you know, realized. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I am extraordinarily thrilled to have with me Todd Bowler. Todd is with Process Unity, and we are going to talk about third-party risk management and ESG. So, Todd, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Todd, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. So, I've got about 25 years in governance, risk, and compliance software. Started out working at an ERP software company, and Sarbanes-Oxley came around with Enron and WorldCom, wrote a product, a piece of software that helped with SOX compliance, sold that company to Oracle, and have been working in the governance risk and compliance space ever since as I came over to Process Unity to help lead third-party risk management. So in my opinion, third-party risk management has been the biggest risk in anti-corruption compliance. And now I think it's even more important and not so much a risk, but something that everyone in every discipline has to think about and manage literally up to the board level, as difficult as it was, it is even more difficult today. Would that be consistent with what you find or are you finding something different? Absolutely. So it's just becoming more and more complex today, right? More companies are outsourcing products and services to other organizations so that they can compete in an ever global marketplace. And the risks that come along with outsourcing these types and growing partnerships means you have to trust these other companies and you have to know where the risk lies inside of those companies. Otherwise, you're going to be accountable for that to your customers and your regulators and your examiners. And so it, the increase in the speed in business has created an increase in the speed of outsourcing, which increases the increase in the speed of risk. So there's been a big focus today of organizations needing to understand the risk quickly, specifically in pre-contract due diligence before they do business with these folks, and being able to understand and mitigate these companies before they share what they're sharing, whether that's information or customer data or employee data out the door where they're going to have these risks you know, realized. Todd, we award a special gold star to podcast guests who are able to articulate the title of the podcast in their remarks. Increase the speed of risk. That is today's winner. That was great. And I will tell you now, I'm going to purloin that phrase because you have hit it exactly on the head. All of these have conflagulated or collated to really do that. Before we get into that a little bit, could I step back and ask you what your role is at Process Unity? And then what is the role of Process Unity? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my role at Process Unity, I run strategy. So for us, that means a few things. I run our partners and alliances program, how we grow our ecosystem to help provide our customers with the most options available to help them with the problems that they are trying to solve. I also own the product strategy and product roadmap and product management teams. So the overall investment in our technology 
as we look to the future to help solve our customers' problems and look to the future in terms of how we can help automate and eliminate risk out of their business, as well as make their processes more efficient. Process Unity is a SaaS-based provider of risk and compliance software. So we're the leader in third-party risk management specifically, but we also help companies globally with their cybersecurity program management, with their compliance needs, with their risk management needs on a general basis, as well as the focus on third-party risk, which is a very unique risk to businesses today that spans you know, the procurement office, as well as the chief information security officer across the company as a cross-functional problem. We look to solve that with our platform and give our customers the most options available to understand risk and do something about it in their company. Todd, many of the listeners to this podcast are going to be very familiar with Process Unity from the third-party risk management perspective. I was wondering if I could ask you, do you have any specific ESG offerings, or are you able to use that term cross-functionality to use the Process Unity platform to help companies in their overall ESG programs? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, ESG has been an evolving risk area, right? We help companies certainly monitor and manage their third parties specifically across all different areas of risk, financial risk, compliance risk, cyber risk, anti-bribery and corruption risk, and lately ESG risk, right? And so as ESG has grown as a social mandate almost across the globe, organizations are listening to that, regulators are listening to that. And so what we do is we connect and integrate to ESG data providers into our customers' risk programs so that they can cover and understand ESG risk against their third parties as part of the evaluation that they do for them next to those other risk pillars that they need to evaluate to understand their relationship with that particular supplier or vendor. I really appreciate the way you phrase that in terms of the evolution of not only risk, risk management, third-party risk management, process unity, service offerings, because I was going to ask you, do you see ESG as a natural extension, but actually just answered that. So I was wondering when you sit down with clients or potential customers, do they understand that evolution and do they understand the Process Unity platform allows them to expand out and to manage this ever-evolving risk? It's interesting. You know, many companies are at different stages of maturity, the way that we look at it. Smaller companies that are highly regulated may be more mature than larger companies that are not so highly regulated. So for us, there's certainly education out there to help them understand what roadmap they have for their maturity of this program for them, specifically within third-party risk. Where does ESG risk prioritize itself next to financial and cyber risk or anti-bribery risk or compliance risk in their organization? And then help them figure out where they're going to fit that into their program over time as their specific industry, their specific nature of what their company does and, and its global outreach, for example. Where does the ESG risk come into play? How are they going to evaluate that risk? And what are they going to do about it, right? You know, it certainly comes from, I think, a couple of different pieces. One is the company itself has a culture, and they need to build that culture out of environmental and social and governance-related aspects of ESG and putting that inside of their own company. And then it's about sustainable procurement, which is really extending that into the supplier base and the partners that they use to accelerate their products and services out to market? And how are they gonna monitor and understand all of those suppliers or third parties they're working with in terms of how they're gonna align to their own ESG program or framework? I love that phrase, sustainable procurement. Now, 
candidate 1A for the new title. The supply chain issues and supply chain risk management really came to the fore during the pandemic. I posit that the Russian invasion of Ukraine really put a period on the exclamation point for supply chain issues. You mentioned it a little bit earlier about the critical need for onboarding. When you have those kinds of discussions, do clients need understand not simply the need for flexibility in their supply chain, but a way to manage that risk if they have to pivot away from a geographic region for whatever reason, whether it be pandemic, whether it be economic depression or our dislocation or even an invasion? Yeah, look, that's the nature of outsourcing globally, right, is that you now need to monitor the world and things are going to constantly change as you're trying to do business with that particular partner. And don't forget, that partner may have other partners downstream. So these are called fourth parties or nth parties, not third parties, but the ones downstream that may also be in those geopolitical high-risk areas or may have been highly negatively impacted by COVID. We saw a big shift when COVID hit to two areas of risk that companies needed to focus on immediately. One was financial resiliency, to know if their third parties were going to survive the pandemic when there was a stoppage of work and workers couldn't go to work. And then also work at home, where cyber risk all of a sudden was a big concern. You know, you have a lot of employees now that are accessing sensitive data from their home offices. How big of a risk is that? And what's the understanding of how remote workforce cybersecurity is implemented? And then with the Russian-Ukraine invasion, as you mentioned, there was a big uptick right there in sanction screening. So immediately needing to see with all of the companies that were screened and had new sanctions on them applied by governments to be able to make sure that our large financial institutions and our large insurance companies can continue to do business with those parties that they may have existing contracts with and take remediated action. So it's an evolving world, right? Things are changing fast and you have to manage to the speed of change, which is increasing, as we mentioned earlier, And that's something that these organizations are challenged with. And that's where we look to help them find and monitor the world at the right level of risk for them so that they can see when these changes happen, they can take proactive action. I'd like to focus on financial health of supply chain partners or other third parties, because if a company is in financial straits, obviously they may not be in a position to supply the products, but they could not invest in cybersecurity compliance or cybersecurity defenses, which would make them a target for a cyber attack, or perhaps they could be more easily persuaded to engage in bribery and corruption. And I wanted to use that to introduce the concept of review of financial health of third parties, or do, I would assume supply chain professionals understand those risks, but do others in the corporation, literally up to the board of directors, understand that when you sit across from them and explain that to them? Yeah, look, financial risk is a big one, right? Financial resiliency, it should be part of your overall, as an organization, you have to be resilient. You have to have business continuity. If your critical suppliers are having problems financially, you need to have a backup plan to be able to switch them out in dire straits, right? And you need to be able to have monitoring going on with that organization so that you can see status and the success of that company to make sure that they're not going to be doing something, whether that's in terms of anti-bribery and corruption responsibilities, but also just not being able to deliver the goods and services that they're contracted with you. So as a company develops its resiliency planning, critical supply chain, critical suppliers in your business have to be accounted for, and you have to have those plans in place for when things go south. Financial tracking is a great one mechanism to be able to track these suppliers and their health 
There's some challenges on the smaller side where they're private companies, their finances aren't so easy to get to. But we partner with some data providers there that have services that go after private company financials to help our customers be able to build out a complete financial risk profile for all their suppliers, whether they're public facing where you can get access to their financial health or their private. Todd, I'd like to turn the focus a little bit to just a fabulous white paper process unity recently released entitled The Rise of Risk in Third-Party Risk Management. And start off with what did you guys find or what do you see as some of the key factors contributing to the relevancy of ESG literally on a worldwide basis? Yeah. And it really is around the rise of the ESG risk, right? Because there is such a, a cultural shift towards wanting this. And so corporations in the public sector are listening and looking and wanting to make sure that they're aligning towards where the global mindset is related to these variety of factors, right? So you've got environmental risk, you've got social, which includes things like human rights, modern slavery, acts, and things like that. You also have the governance aspect, which is how is your ethical culture at your organization? And are you looking to do the right things to help the world out and to be a good corporate citizen in this global marketplace? And as part of that, you've got a lot of different factors to assess as a company if you've been around for a long time in terms of how are you doing? How do you look to the outside world? And how do you talk to your employees about the initiatives at your organization to drive forward good practices around these areas, these, these domains, these new domains that people are caring about? And then also, of course, factoring in that sustainable procurement, right? So now that you have a culture and a driving direction based on the industry you're in, if you're in manufacturing, you know, you're going to have environmental carbon footprint considerations and things like that. If you're in financial services, maybe not so much, but you're going to really focus on your human rights and your ethics and culture within your business, being able to drive that forward. But then you also need to know, all right, we're partnering with a lot of companies here. Make sure that they're aligning to our culture so that we don't get brand reputational risk as a side effect of doing business with a bad supplier that then has an issue or an incident in one of these areas that then you're going to be taking to your brand as well. So it really is a ripple effect across your organization, your supply chain, your partners, and how you're all looking to really get behind ESG. And that's where really this rise in ESG has really come from is this sentiment. Now, there's also regulations across the board. The Modern Slavery Act, Foreign Corruption Practices Act, got uh, German and, and EU-based due diligence acts, which now make you disclose and evaluate ESG-related areas with your suppliers and prove that to the regulators. Hasn't really reached so much here in the U.S. yet, but it's coming. You know, you can always see it coming. If it starts in one area in Europe or it starts in the U.S., it'll float over the pond and those regulations will start to take hold on the other side. And we're seeing that now. But these are the things that have really driven the rise in that ESG risk. One of the things I posit is that companies right now, at least U.S. public companies, are doing 80 to 90% of the things they need to do around ESG already. And you mentioned several of those, obviously in the area of DEI, in the area of corporate governance, in the area of anti-bribery, anti-corruption, and even in the area of looking how much their energy spend is. And right. what many in the compliance profession don't understand is that if they went and looked, they would find that to be true, although it's called something else. It may be called human relations. It may be called cybersecurity compliance, or a variety of other things. Are you able to have those discussions with your clients and customers really geared towards showing them that the Process Unity platform and the other tools 
that you bring to bear currently can help them in their ESG efforts going forward? Yeah, absolutely. That's where we started off with that cross-functional requirement, right? It really is about, and it's not just in the functions in the department level, but it's also the tone at the top, right? What's the, the management and executive leadership doing and thinking about when it comes to ESG risk, when it comes to sustainable procurement, and how do they get organized around it? Because they want to take advantage and get credit for the things they're already doing. They need to identify those things and then be able to group them in a way that they can report on it and tell people about it, right? So when an, a regulator comes in or if they are assessed by an ESG provider that's asking to be assessed, or now you have new customers that are coming in and before they'll sign a contract with you, they want to know what your ESG score is. Well, okay, you've got to be able to group the things that you're doing today into a way that you can have that evaluation and assessment done and be able to communicate that back out to your customers and your investors and the folks that are asking. So I think it's important to keep that in mind as you kind of go through. And our platform definitely helps in that organization area of being able to group those things together and being able to drive the appropriate workflows across those functions to gather that information and build that profile up so that you can communicate it out. This morning, I was on a webinar talking to auditors about their role in ESG, and you just said something that really struck me there, the need for documentation and the ability of the Process Unity platform to document whatever it is you have done that makes it auditable and then a presentable or something that you can put on your website or in, in response to a 10K or, or a Q requirement. How critical is that documentation aspect in the Process Unity process? Workflow drives information from different users across different groups. Part of that workflow's natural behavior should be to collect this documentation. You're gonna use this documentation to make business decisions. You're gonna use this documentation to educate new people coming in on board in, inside of your company. And you're certainly gonna use this documentation for audit and regulatory purposes. You want that point in time evidence collection so that you're on top of the data that you're going to be requested from the auditors or the examiners when they come to look at that specific discrete business function, in a case, maybe example, third-party risk, you want to have the fact that you do pre-contract due diligence already captured uh, so that you can prove to them in an efficient way that you have a program in place and that it's operating effectively. Uh, I love the way you phrase that, and I tried to write notes down. Business process, training for new employees, and regulatory response. I'd like to go back to the business process because many in the compliance field started out cataloging or identifying third parties simply as a regulatory response. But several times throughout this podcast, you've talked about that in terms of the business process, whether it's resiliency in the supply chain, being able to pivot for a variety of reasons, or the good old regulatory response of a regulator comes knocking. But I really want to focus on that business process and do your clients and customers or even potential customers understand if you start with the platform, then you can move to a greater business efficiency because your business process is more robust? Absolutely. Process is key. And again, if you look at third party, you look at a line of business user looking for a new product or service, they need to have a starting point. And that starting point needs to lead to an effective selection of a good supplier for that product or service that needs to have proper due diligence before you sign the contract. It is pretty logical. And then after you sign the contract, you want to understand what you've just done in terms of sharing data with that potential third party. And how are you going to monitor that risk going forward with the life cycle of that vendor or supplier? So the process starts at the line of business user, goes to 
procurement folks involve subject matter experts for review of these specific risk areas and then turns on to monitoring because that relationship's going to survive as long as that contract does. So you've got contract risk involved there as well. So implementing that type of process and getting that efficient is really important. Early days of Sarbanes-Oxley and things like that, it was really more of a centralized function that a compliance team would own the whole process. I've seen over the years that more and more the accountability and responsibility is going out to that line of business user. And you have to educate them on what risk and compliance means and why they're doing these extra tasks. But their being able to be involved in that actually creates good corporate culture from that perspective. They have an understanding of why there are risks involved in what they're choosing to do and hopefully be able to mitigate those or take action earlier because they are the front lines, right? They are the first line of defense there. So you want them educated and involved. And we've seen that with our platform, bringing those people into the fold is really key for those successful programs that are looking to. If I could ask you to turn your gaze down the road to 2025, or perhaps even further down the road into 2030, where do you see third-party risk management and ESG going forward? It's currently starting to move up the chain of risks in what risk professionals think about and prioritize. So cyber risk obviously is a big risk. That is probably the number one we see in the market today is cybersecurity risk for third parties and suppliers and where's the data and is the data leaked and breached and we need to protect that at all costs wherever it goes. Financial risk is another one, anti-bribery corruption like we mentioned, and then ESG is moving up the ladder. So I, I see out in the future, it will increase, there will be more data, there will be more regulations, there will be more people taking over in executive leadership positions that have this mindset from the start that are going to look to implement cultures in these businesses that require ESG risk and management. And I think that's really important. From a futures perspective in the technology, I think data, you know, we're a best-in-class platform. We bring in best-in-class data from the outside and best-in-class services with our consulting partners to give our customers the most options to manage their risk. I see data analysis and data availability as being a future aspect to this to help automate even further proactively risk understanding to customers to help them manage that speed of change because everything's changing all the time and they desperately need those alerts that come up and say, hey, something just happened over here. Go look over here. That's what we're going to help them do. Unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but before we leave, I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on Process Unity on yourself or really any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best way for them to do so? Certainly go to our website, right? Processunity.com has all the information that we talked about today. It has the white paper available, as you mentioned, Tom, as well as information about our company and anything else that they can decide to look at to get educated around these areas. There's a lot of great learning material there. Well, Todd, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me. And frankly, I hope we can continue this conversation. Yeah, me too, Tom. It was great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.